citizens, the sky. Everyone, round of applause for the kid who said the sky. Good job, dude. <laughs> the sky is up and the sky is bright because daylight savings time has happened, I guess, or it stopped happening. I'm not sure. I don't quite know. And it's happening and there's so much daylight and we need to save all of it because it's awesome. And yeah, we should have more daylight. Everyone vote yes, more sun all the time. No, no. I love it. I, stop. Welcome to Citizens Youth. Hey, if this is your first time here tonight, welcome. We're super glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Noah. I'm one of our leaders here. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your story about how, how you came to Citizens tonight. And um, we, are, we are super pumped because Wednesday nights is the best night of the week. It is a time where we get to sing together. It's a time where we get to connect with each other. It is a time where we get to hear from God's word. It is a powerful time. It's something that we don't want to take for granted. It's something that should take precedent and priority. And so I commend you for being here in this room tonight. And open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We're continuing in our series called With All Boldness. And tonight we're going to see an amazing prayer of faith by the brand new believers, by new uh, uh, Christians in Jerusalem uh, who have witnessed, many of them witnessed the resurrection of Jesus and they uh, have saw the resurrected Jesus. They uh, were at Pentecost, which was this awesome moment when God's Holy Spirit uh, uh, falls upon his people and now they are living in the truth of the gospel and they're professing it. And it's been a challenge for me to read some of these passages for sure and, 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 and ask myself, what am I doing in my life? How am I sharing the gospel? How am I uh, in my day-to-day -day life going out and impacting others around me? Am I bold or am I kind of scared to share? Am I bold or am I a little hesitant to be like, ah, oh, this person might think I'm super weird. But we see this incredible prayer of boldness tonight in scripture and I'm so excited uh, to dive in. Acts chapter 4, verses 23. Um, it, verse 23 is where we're going to be starting tonight. And as we start, um, I was thinking about this today. I feel like many of us in this room have learned very important, we've, we've learned things that we are told are important, and that like you are like in kindergarten or first grade, and you like do drills, and you do all these things to learn like what you're supposed to do, and it ends up not being as important as you might think have thought in the future. A good example of this is like, we are all told, or maybe I was as a kid, to stop, drop, and roll in case you light on fire. They're like, hey, just in case, like four-year-old, if you ever spontaneously catch on fire, wait, the story gets better, stop. It's like, don't move, like don't like do anything. Stop, drop, and roll, right? Did I learn that? You guys learned this as well. It's a good thing to know, but it made me think as a four-year-old, it was going to be a big problem. Like, oh my gosh, like what happens the day it happens, of course. I've only almost caught on fire once, and I've shared that story twice here, and I'm not going to do it today. But it's never been a problem. I've never caught on fire. And I'm like, why did they drill that in our heads so much, right? I feel like I know all this useless information, right? What happens when you go over a bridge on your car by accident, of course, as you do, whoopsies, and you sink to the bottom? Of, of the lake and the water's filling into your car, what are you supposed to do? I have learned from YouTube videos that you're supposed to wait till the car fills up, take a deep breath, and then you can open the door, right? And of course, the likelihood of that happening is very, very, very slim. And then of course, what do you do if you run into a bear? Are you supposed to make noise? Are you supposed to lie down? Are you supposed to play dead? Like, what's the thing that you're supposed to do? And so I've recently taken it upon myself to discover, just in case I'm walking in Camus, <laughs> which is a little bit out there, or Washougal, 
there's just a bear that shows up, right? I know what you're supposed to do. First of all, you're supposed to have bear spray 24 seven, just in case a bear pops up. None of us in this room probably have that on right now, but in case, you know, you do good, good for you, extra points. Um, but if you don't, you're supposed to, if you're far away, you're supposed to make the, you're not supposed to surprise the bear. Like don't try and sneak away, right? Make your presence known and slowly walk away, right? Don't run, don't try and run. They run apparently up to 40 miles an hour, which is very fast. They can climb trees very quickly, so don't try and climb a tree. You're supposed to slowly walk away, right? And so I know all these things and I'm like, man, like why did I like fill my brain with these hypothetical situation? Why did they tell us and teach us for years to stop, drop, and roll, but they didn't teach us as like, you know, like when tax season comes around, like what are you supposed to do? Like when like, hey, the government's gonna like ask you to pay a certain amount of money, but they're not gonna tell you what it is. You have to kind of guess. If you kind of guess wrong, you kind of go to jail. And it's like, well, why didn't, like, why do we do this, right? Why didn't I learn how to do that as a kid? Or like, why didn't like anyone teach me how to like correctly budget once you get that big boy job, right? Once you graduate college and you get that first job, it's like, cool. This money's in my bank account. What do I do with it? Where do I invest? Things like that. You know, when your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere, like there's some of these things that it's like, man, I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have known what it is I'm supposed to do. And many of us wish that life, in life, we had a few more how-tos, like how to do this, how to do that, when things get out of hand, when things get a little bit concerning in your life. When things are difficult, when trials pop up, I wish that there was a manual we could open up to and say, this is how to perfectly conquer this season of anxiety. I wish we could open up a manual and says, this is what we should do. This is how we're supposed to act when our parents start talking about getting a divorce. This is the, uh, what you're supposed to do when you start struggling with an addiction and you feel like you're not supposed to tell anyone about it. This is what you're supposed to do when you're experiencing challenges and pushback in your faith. And tonight, I'm promising you that we have, a st- uh, we have a story tonight that is a true story, that is an impactful story, that will help guide us and direct us into what to do's in those seasons. I know the tendencies that you and I often face, whether it's anxiety, whether it's a situation, a parent's divorce, an addiction, whatever it might be, uh, the tendency might be, one, just run away from people, people who know you, people who care you, just like run away, make sure they don't know, make sure they don't see Uh, Maybe it's, I got to fix this problem on my own. Maybe it's, I'm supposed to seek out some sort of worldly uh, solution. But tonight we're looking at a passage that should stand out in our minds as the how to fight through the difficulties of life. An example in Acts chapter four of the church being the church. An example of a group of people so radically connected to one another and radically committed to the mission of God that they care for and pray for one another when things get hard. An example of a radically committed people who are willing to give up everything for their faith. It's something that every heart in this room needs. It's the sacred togetherness of the body of Christ. It's something you need. It's something every heart longs for and as something that every single person in this room needs. The life of a Christian is a life of togetherness. The life of a Christian is supposed to be a life where we're knit together in love. It's embracing your brother and sister who isn't perfect, but still moving forward together. And that's the, uh, the title of our message tonight is Together. And we're gonna read here in Acts chapter four. God, be with us as we look at your word. Guide us, impact Uh, our hearts. Help us not just to tune out another message. Help us not just to look at this and say, cool, I have to do better next time. I'll try again next week. God, help us to look at this passage and to listen 
and to only listen. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter four, verse 23, setting the scene we saw last week, there was this moment where the uh, apostles, when specifically John and Peter, are threatened for preaching the gospel, right? They, they, uh, we witnessed this miracle that the Holy Spirit did, and the, the Sadducees and the elders, they get together and they say, don't do this again, right? Don't be preaching the gospel, and this is what happens. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and all that is in the sea, or or who made the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father, uh, our father David, your servant, he said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings on the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is one of the most epic prayers in scripture. We see so many amazing moments where the people of God gather together and they pray and they ask the Lord to do something. They, they connect with the Lord through prayer. We as the church, first and foremost, something that we can learn from tonight, together we pray scripture in our trouble. Would you notice that? Look, like, notice that like what we just read. They gathered together with their friends and they reported what had happened. And then when they heard of it, they lifted their voices together to God and started praying. It is an immediate ref, uh, reaction to prayer. It's this reflex when something bad starts happening, the friendship that is formed in Christian council in the family of God gets together and they immediately pray. Just an immediate reaction. We're not gonna even like talk about it. There's not an extended conversation recorded. There's not this like, wow, you guys must have been scared. It is this immediate knee-jerk reaction to, well, everything seems to be, uh, you know, questionable right now. Everything seems to be going wrong. Uh, I, you know, it's this, immediately, it's this immediate call to prayer. A few things to note about this prayer that we just read. It is this amazing prayer. Look at this. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. So first of all, uh, Christians are supposed to pray together. Newsflash, when we pray, like when I'm praying here on stage, I'm not just praying like for you. Oftentimes I am, but we get to pray together. God is sovereign above everything. He understands uh, every single one of our hearts, where our minds are at, where's our, where our uh, soul is, when we are lifting our cries to him. And if every single person in this room started praying at the same time, God would be able to hear your voice in the chaos. And so we get to pray together, first of all. And this is what they said, sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and, and the sea and everything in them. There's a few things to know here. Uh, first of all, their prayer starts with affirming God's authority. Their prayer starts with affirming God's authority, his power, his sovereignty, all of these things. They didn't immediately just jump in the request. All right, God, hey, we just heard this and we're really scared. So could you do this for us? 
hey, like, God, these bad things are happening, and uh, this is what you can do. This is my checklist that I have for you, and if you could take care of them by Thursday, maybe even Wednesday night, that would be awesome. They didn't immediately jump into the, uh, their requests or even the thing that was on their heart. They said, sovereign God, made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. When your prayer starts to God in your life, what does it start with? What does it look like? You sit down, you got some space, time to pray. Where does your mind immediately go? God cares about the things you're anxious about. I don't wanna make it seem like he's not caring. He wants to hear about the things you're anxious about. But the Lord's prayer, this prayer, so many things would have us recognize and realize that we first have an opportunity in prayer to sit under God's sovereign hand. We get to literally commune with the one who made you. We get to listen and hear and speak to the one who rules the universe. Sovereign God, the Lord who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They immediately speak of God's authority. Our problems seem a little bit smaller when we recognize we're talking to the God of the universe. The anxiety and the fear that we carry into prayer sometimes, more often than not, gets a little bit smaller when we first recognize that we're talking to the God who literally created you, who understands you, who understands the situation you're going through and is in control of it. So in your prayer life, we have to reflect this. We have to reflect this example. They start their prayer. First of all, they pray together, and they start their prayer by affirming God's authority, his character, who he is. And then continuing on, it says this. They start quoting Psalm chapter 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers who were granted together against the Lord and against his anointed. So they pray together. They start by affirming God's authority, and their prayer was based in Scripture. Imagine that. Their prayers were based in Scripture. They use this opportunity to tell God things that he already knows, right? Like, he had written this down through his servant David. He had inspired by his Holy Spirit these things to be written. And they know, they recognize, God, you're sovereign over this. You have authority over this, and this is what your word says, Following this example is going to change your prayer life. If you close your eyes at night and you give God two minutes before you fall asleep, I bet you're pretty frustrated in your prayer life. When you wake up at some time, maybe earlier than you'd like, whoa, sacrificing time to be in the presence of God, first recognizing who he is, then finding specific passages in scripture to pray over, it will literally ignite a fire in your prayer life. It will, this incredible thing will happen and your entire prayer life will be flipped upon its head. Their prayer was based in scripture affirming God's authority. They, they quote Psalm chapter two and then it continues on here. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So they pray together. 
They're united together in prayer. Their prayer starts by affirming God's authority. They pray scripture, and then they speak about God's sovereignty to God. This reflects Genesis chapter 50 and Romans chapter 8, which we just read a few minutes ago. Even if man uses things for evil, God can use those things for good. And the most pristine example of that is the crucifixion and resurrection. Something sinful carried out by the uh, hands of mankind, but it, they're literally saying here, Lord, you use this for our good and for our salvation. And they're speaking about God's sovereignty in this moment. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now it is in their prayer, the second half, that they acknowledge the thing that they're fearful of, that the thing that's causing them anxiety. They recognize the threat. They don't try and hide it. They don't just try and push it to the side. God wants to hear about the things that you're struggling with. First of all, he already knows. There's no need to hide. God wants to hear about the thing that is weighing you down because he loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to know that he's there for you and that he will always be there for you. In this moment, they recognize, Lord, that look upon their threats. It's such a sly thing. Like, look upon their threats. Look at what they're saying. Look at how they're threatening to squash this Jesus rebellion. Look at how they're threatening to kill us and grant your servants this. Grant your servants the right things to do to fight back. Grant your servants uh, the ability to run away and hide and go spread the gospel somewhere else. No, it doesn't say any of those things. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They acknowledge their threats. They recognize the thing that is bringing them down. And then they ask for boldness. They ask for boldness in the middle of this trial. Don't let your prayers be about you. Don't let your prayers be solely focused on you, your laundry list of things that you want your life to get better and improve. And God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to hear about those things. But first, let our prayers be about God. Speak to, uh, to God like he's listening to you, like he knows you, like he cares about you. And of course, pray for boldness. Boldness. The believers didn't ask God to make their life easier. They prayed that they would be made stronger. And so the question for us is, why are we expecting easier battles in this life? Why are we so frequently expecting things to be easier than they're supposed to be? Stop looking for simpler battles to fight and stop praying for the difficulty to stop and ask the Lord to give you strength. Ask the Lord to give you boldness. Pray for spirit-empowered, unmovable, unshakable boldness, knowing that God is sovereign over that situation and that he has power over that situation. God, could you just like make it really easy to evangelize? Could you just like make it really easy for me not to get in trouble for talking about Jesus at school? God, th those aren't the right prayers to ask. God, would you give me boldness? Would you give me boldness regardless of the consequence? God, would you give me strength in this battle even though I don't wanna fight it? God, would you give me the strength to stand in the face of a world that does not want me to stand up for truth? God, would you give me the courageous voice to preach your gospel to a world that wants nothing to do with it? How often, God, could you make this easier? Could you just like do like your thing? The believers ask for boldness. They pray for boldness. 
and they pray scripture over one another. I like how they pray scripture because it shows us something. What does it show us? It shows us that they know what the Bible says. It shows that they have been in God's word, that they understand it, and they're seeing the connection. They're living in what is the fulfillment of prophecies. And they are recognizing and they know that they are so deep-rooted in Scripture. And the question for us is, do we have Scriptures in mind? Do we know God's word so well that when problems come up, we can pray Scripture over our friends, over ourselves, over our family, whatever it is? That's something I've been challenged in. We try and go to these instruction manuals. All right, this is how I'm supposed to get through this. This is how I'm supposed to conquer this fear. This is how I'm supposed to conquer this anxiety. This is how I'm supposed to get through this season of my parents' divorce. This is how I'm supposed to overcome this addiction. I, you know, I just gotta be uh, more confident in who I am. And, and like, I need to walk into my school of confidence or I just need to like fill my life with positive thoughts. Just think about all the good things that are happening. All these things uh, are gonna fail in comparison to God's word. All of these things are going to sink in the ocean of fear and anxiety compared to God's word. And so this is why we need to be connected to what God's word is saying to you and your life. If you don't have a time to memorize and understand scripture more, I challenge you today, do it. Find time, time find space. There's, there's passages all over scripture that speaks to God's authority, that speaks to God's sovereignty in the midst of chaos. In seasons where we are struggling with anxiety, we can go to 1 Peter chapter 5. We can go to Psalm 94. When we're feeling loneliness, we can go to Psalm 97. When we're struggling with sin, Galatians chapter 5. When we need hope, Revelations 21.4. All these scriptures speak the very things that our hearts experience and go through in seasons in life. And you're like, dude, could you say those again so, so I can write them down? Um, we're gonna give you all of those. They're gonna be for you in their connect group. I'm gonna talk about more than a second. So we'll give you all these scriptures that you can pray for one another over, uh, pray, pray over one another here in just a minute. So this is an epic prayer recorded in scripture. They don't ask God to make the battle easier. They ask that they would be made stronger, that they would be united together and that they would be able to face the attacks of the enemy. And then when they do, they continue to speak with boldness. Together, we pray scripture over one another. And we pray for boldness. Look at what it says here. So they say, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Something really cool happens here in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We see an answer to prayer right here. The epic prayer is concluded and we see a spirit-empowered people continue to preach the gospel. In times and seasons of difficulty, we pray scripture over another and we continue our mission to preach the gospel with boldness. There's a few, two really, like two cool things that we want to point out here. First of all, the ground shakes. And second of all, God's people are filled with the spirit. The ground shaking here is this beautiful example of the presence and the guidance of God. It brings back images from Mount Sinai, the Israelites at Jericho. It is God showing off his power to these specific believers. And he is showing them that he is with them. When they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It continued to speak the word of God with boldness. 
That's the result of a spirit-empowered people. They always go out and try and give to others. They always go out and try and help guide and direct others. They don't just ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they can have an easier life, so that they can experience less fear, that they can experience more comfort. When they're filled with the Holy Spirit, he continues to direct them out. It's this incredible thing that happens when we're filled with God's Holy Spirit. It's not this thing that is just for our comfort, is just for our joy. We do get those things, but often the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us to do things out of our comfort zone. In this example, to in the face of a world that is saying, if you continue this, we could squash this rebellion. We could destroy your lives. They continue to do it. They continue to go and they continue to have boldness. Something cool to note here. These believers already have the Holy Spirit, right? This isn't like a separate group of people who pray and all of a sudden they're saved and now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We know who they're talking about. When they, talking about, went to their friends, reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. This is already a gathered group of Christians. So they already have the Holy Spirit inside of them. So why here would it say when they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit? There's plenty of examples here, specifically in the book of Acts, Um, where the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. It's this amazing moment, but there's instances where people are filled fresh with the Holy Spirit to do something, and and it's mostly always to speak about the gospel. It's mostly always to speak about the truth of what God has to say. Even as a Christian, there are moments when we turn to God in what faith, prayer, community, scripture, and the Spirit fills us in a new and a fresh way. As a Christian, this happens to us. Now, this doesn't mean, all right, let, let, like, let's take the Holy Spirit right now and, and control the Spirit and like, let me just like, throw it at you in this like, tangible way. Maybe I can like, muster up the Holy Spirit and like, throw it and like, you'll be slain in the Spirit or whatever. This doesn't mean let me manipulate the Spirit into doing what I want to do. It doesn't give us Christian superpowers for our own selfish gain. But what the Holy Spirit does and the fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, it always brings us closer to God and it always brings us to a point where we want to share the good news with others. It's not for our own selfish gain or our own like miniature superpowers. Uh, yeah, hey Jesus, hey Holy Spirit, um, I got this test, but I didn't study. And like, could you just do your thing and give me an A plus? Like, amen, Holy Spirit, come down uh, as I write this test. Hey God, there's this girl, but she doesn't like me yet, yet. I know in your presence all things are possible, Lord. So if you just do your Holy Spirit thing, make it happen. I read in Acts. I know you can make it happen. God, I like don't have like a lot of money right now. I'm trying to go to Sonic with my friends, but I got $2 in my bank account. I know I can open up my app right now, and all of a sudden, you can do it. You can make it happen, and God's like, budget better. And you're like, no, that's not it. That's something else. Right? We don't manipulate the Spirit into doing it. It is what we want. When we pray like this, we pray like the believers pray, God, I am first a sinner. I know your word says that your kindness leads me to repentance. Could you forgive me? And could you guide me through this temptation? The Holy Spirit will fill you and you'll be able to fight that temptation. God, I know you are in control over all things. This friend and I are having a really difficult conversation in 30 minutes. Could you please just guide and direct me to speak in spirit, in gentleness, in love, peace, joy, goodness, God, could you do that? God, I know that I'm experiencing 
anxiety right now. I trust you with my life. I'll follow you anywhere. Could you guide me and direct me in the next few weeks as I make this big decision? God will answer those prayers. He will fill you afresh with his spirit. It's not always a sensational public outward event, but he will fill you with the Holy Spirit when we turn to him in humility. We pray. They gather together. They pray. They, they run to scripture. And it says the Lord fills them with the Holy Spirit. God, could you fill me fresh with your spirit? I think there's this interesting thing that happens, and, and sometimes we idolize moments at camps and conferences, and we just say things like, you know, we feel like just the Spirit of God was there. And you know, I agree with those things, and I think that thing is true. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, why? Well, I do think, like in moments when we go away to camp, there are hundreds of moms and dads praying for you back in Vancouver. There's only prayer, worship, and teaching all day. There are no distractions. There's repentance and forgiveness. And we have this moment where we encounter God's spirit in a new and a fresh way. But God just doesn't want that to be our lives where like two times a year, we have these kind of experiences, these moments with God and his spirit. God wants us to be reflecting these actions with our lives, prayer, repentance, community, worship. And I know it's harder when you walk into schools and you only experience nothing but garbage and fear and things that are attacking and vying for your attention, but make no mistake, when we do these things, when we turn to God in his sovereignty, not in our, us trying to manipulate him, he will fill us afresh with his spirit. God always desires to meet with you. He always desires to fill you so you can, you can continue to do the work. What are they filled with the spirit to do? Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you, not us, you stretch out your hand to heal God. You do signs, you do wonders, and they are performed through who? Not our name, your name. That is a prayer that we can echo and we can reflect. Again, you may be in the spot where like, I can't like physically heal someone or I can't like, someone can't walk by me and like they're completely healed of all sicknesses and illnesses and diseases, but God is still working. This isn't like, oh, God used to be so cool, but like 2,000 years have gone by and he's like not as cool anymore. When you preach the gospel to your friend and all of a sudden they're like, hey, I, I think I might go to youth group with you. Make no mistake, it's not a sensational moment, but it is still a miracle, right? A sinner is like, maybe I do need this thing, Jesus. When your friend who's not a believer says, hey, t tell me, what, like, why do you worship? Like, what does that even mean? Like, all these things and moments are miracles. And we get so discouraged sometimes. They, they don't seem sensational. They don't look flashy. They don't look like these things that maybe we look at in scripture, but they are still miracles all the same. And God is continuing to do them. When someone stands up here and they say, I was lost, I was scared. I turned to the Lord and I was healed and I was baptized. That is a miracle. And we get to celebrate those things together. God wants to continue to fill us afresh with his spirit. There is only one, you know, ultimate like baptism of the spirit or like turning to Christ in faith and then experiencing and having the power of the Holy Spirit. There's only one moment where that happens, of course, right? There's only, um, you know, you can't sin or mess up so much that like you lose the power of the Holy Spirit. But there are moments when we turn, where we repent, where we pray, where we study the word, we gather in community and he fills us fresh to do what? Give us the power to preach the word. Give us the power to go out and to be bold. When is the last time you prayed a prayer like that? I'm kind of scared to pray prayers like that, if I'm being honest. 
If I know I'm going in like downtown Portland to hang out with my wife for an afternoon or whatever, how often do I'm like, God, could you just like give me an encounter with a stranger and I could share your gospel, right? How often our minds are we like, could I just like chill? Like I'll do the work thing later. I'll do the ministry thing another time. I do this volunteer thing. That's my time to spread the gospel, right? Or like I volunteer at this thing and like that's my time to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to work all these things. How often do you wake up and pray, God, fill me with boldness today to preach your word? It's a dangerous prayer. It's a scary prayer, but it is worth it because this is the mechanism God uses, his people. He uses his people to spread the gospel. The prayer for boldness to preach is answered. Who needs to see? Who needs to hear? The invitation to come and see in your life, who is it? I know there's someone that comes to mind. I know there's someone who needs to know the truth. Who is it? Will you pray that prayer? Continuing on, verse 32, it says this, now the full member of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said, and no one said that the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, as for as many were owners of lands or houses, sold them and and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as had uh, as to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, uh, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, and bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is one of the results of a spirit-empowered people going to preach the gospel. They continue to give without any hesitation. They continue to give without any hesitation. This is one of the marks of Christian community. We're generous. We're willing to give. The final passage we're covering here, we see this radical generosity to the new family of faith that is uniquely Christian. Now, the full member of those who believe were of one heart and soul, And because they were of one heart and soul, they saw everything before them that they owned that was valuable in the uh, the eyes of the world. They said, this doesn't matter that much anymore because we are so committed, what, to Jesus, to this word going out. We know more people need to hear. We know more people need to see and experience who he is. There's a unique connection that that Christians have It's the only community where you walk into a room and you don't look at what it is you can get and experience from this group of people, but what can I give? And if you're walking into this room every week thinking, what can I get out of it? What friends can I connect to? What boxes am I checking off on my to-do list? You are going to be miserable. But we have a uniqueness of one body, one mindset, one goal, and that is proclaiming the name of Jesus, reminding each other when we get discouraged, when we get apathetic, when we get lazy, it's encouraging one another to do that, and it's inviting others in so that they may hear it for the first time. We are always looking at what can we give back? What can we give? Because God has given everything to us. What can I give back to my family, to my friends, to my church, to my ministry? What is it that I have in my life that I can give? This is a radical example of a group of Christians who sell the things that they for so long probably held with such high esteem, such value, and they say, you know what, God? It's not worth it. 
It's so funny, this may have been the thing that they were being threatened with. Oh yeah, well we can go and we can take your property. And they're like, you know what? We'll just sell it. Like this amazing thing. The things that the world and, and, and the enemy tries to threaten you say, hey, you may lose this. Hey, if you, if you keep following Jesus, you might lose this relationship. If you keep following Jesus, you might lose this money that you've kind of saved up, right? If you follow Jesus with all your heart, you may lose your time, you may lose your free time. And us as a Christian, we just look at all those things and say, what, what can I give? What can I share? In a world that says, hold on, take, don't lose, because if you lose something, you know, your life is gonna be a mess. Our life as a Christian is just saying, what can I give you? What do I have in my time, my space, my capacity that I can give back to God? This is an example, of course, that many of us wouldn't follow directly. We don't own a ton of land, to be honest. But what do you have to give? You and I have plenty of things to give, probably more than you realize. One, financially, we can give. Here at Citizens, all the donations made to our cafe goes 100% to our Citizens Missions Funds. We serve and we help sponsor two uh, children in the West region of Ghana. Every time that you buy a coffee and you drop two, three, four, five bucks in that plate over there, it goes directly to someone in need. So you can give, of course, here financially. Of course, you can give your time. Trust me, we have plenty of it. We think that, oh, we're so busy. There's nothing I do. Like, I'm just swamped right now. You have time. What time can you give? You have your encouragement, right? It costs you nothing. A simple minute out of your day to text someone, encourage them, say, hey, I'm praying for you and I love you. You can give that. You can give your talents. If you're an outgoing person, you could join our welcome team, right? If you're a person who is an introvert and you love spreadsheets, God knows we need your help for people like me. Please come help. There are things that God has given you that he has called you not to hold on to, but to give away and to continue to give away. And the question is like, wait, if I give my time, my money, all of these things to my church, dude, like who's gonna take care of me? Like if I give all those things away, who's going to take care of me? Look at this. There was not a needy person among them. It's this incredible thing that happens when literally they're marked by their generosity to one another. They're giving everything that they have to one another. And the world would say, well, they had to be the most needy people of all time. And it says there wasn't a single need among them. Why? Because God was using their generosity and their gifts to build the kingdom and to build their community. What do you have to give? The call of a Christian is a constant call to pouring yourself out to other people not hoarding, not taking in, not gathering as much as you can in this perfect little sandcastle kingdom that we can build. What can I give away? There was not a needy person among them. When you give everything to God's kingdom and God's church to his people, you will not lack anything. And you're like, yeah, I'm gonna lack a lot less time. Yeah, I'm gonna like need more sleep. I'm gonna need more energy. I'm gonna need more mental capacity to handle these things. When I give away everything, I actually gain the world. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter six, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. It is a call of a Christian to give without hesitation. And that's really difficult in seasons where you're like, this is like the hardest season of my life. What am I supposed to give? I have nothing to give. Sometimes you showing up, you being honest, you being vulnerable, that's all you have to give and God will bless you. And if you're in the opposite season, when life is great and amazing, all of a sudden, like I've noticed this so much in my life. I'm like, I'm in a great, like, I like kind of hit this groove. I'm feeling like awesome. And I'm like, why does God just keep bringing all these people who are sad around me? 
Like, has anyone ever felt that? Like, that might be a little selfish of me, but I'm like, I'm in an awesome spot. I'm like, oh, like, all these people who are surrounding me are like, they're going through a divorce, they're going through this or that. Like, and then I recognize, oh, wait, this season of joy I have, this time of the Lord that I'm excited about, I get to invite other people in and remind them of the good that will come. And God knows how many times I've been in a terrible season. I'm just like, could you just help me with this or that? There was not a needy person among them. God's always calling you to give something. What is it that you're gonna give? What is it that you're gonna give away? Because the reality is you're always gonna give to the thing that's most important to you. You will always give to the thing that is most important to you. If your sports team is the most important to you, you will give all your time to sports. You'll stop going to church. You'll stop hanging out with friends. You'll do whatever it takes to be the best. If the thing that is most important to you is your job, you want to make money and you want to like build some of the resources before you go to college or whatever, if that's the most important thing to you, you will give your time and your energy and your capacity to your job. If the most important thing to you is your friends, you will push everything else away in order to make your friends happy. You will be a slave to their opinion. You will be guided by what they think about you. You always give to the thing that is most important. And here we see a radical example of generosity to the household of faith specifically. What is God calling you to give? We've got plenty of opportunities here. They give everything and the Lord blesses them. He guides them. In this passage, we see the church is marked by five distinct things. Friendship, prayer, scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit, generosity. And I know we're not a perfect ministry, but this is what we're going for. Friendship, praying together, reading scripture, inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit, being generous. We're going for these things at Citizens Youth, and we need these when life gets difficult. We need this togetherness. And the main thing I want you to know tonight, if you don't get anything else from this passage, and this message, get this, in times of trouble, we lean into the family of faith. We don't walk away we don't hesitate. We don't hide sin. We don't do any of that stuff. We lean into the family of faith. It is an essential part of us surviving. We need the friendship that Christ offers us through his community here. We need pr to pray and specifically to pray scripture over one another. We need uh, the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, of course, in this process. And we need to be generous, to be giving to one another. Our time, our finances, our resources, whatever it is, we're supposed to be giving to one another. In times of trouble, we lean into the family of faith. If you're going through something difficult, I'm telling you, don't run. I've seen it happen so many times. People get embarrassed, or they start liking their sin more than they like the community and connectedness of God, and all of a sudden it's like, I haven't seen that person in a few weeks. Don't run. Don't run. God loves you, He cares about you the thing that you're coping with, the substance you're using to try and make, help you make it through the day, the Lord knows. He has better things for you. He's a better path for you, better plan for you. He's willing and ready to have his community of faith be united together around you. We're not a perfect ministry, but this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to build the family of faith. We're trying to build the community and the connectedness of Christians, young people here in this specific church, don't 
run. When life gets difficult, when things are, you know, and the temptation is like, ah, I'm kind of gonna catch in a lot of smoke for this Jesus I'm talking about. Maybe I'm just like push back. Or like, I kind of like, I'm in with this crew of people or I like this job. I think I'm just gonna push back, don't. When life gets difficult, we lean into the family of faith. We see the Holy Spirit continue to move through difficulty, through trials, through pain. The Lord continues to unite his people together. Don't run. You're welcome into this household of faith. You're an essential member. You're an essential part of this. When we pray, we pray for boldness. We don't pray for easier battles. We don't pray that God would take away the pain that we're feeling. We pray to be made stronger. So if you're going through something right now, let us pray for you. The space, the time that we're gonna gather together in Connect Groups, let us pray for you. If you've never had someone pray for you, and you're concerned, don't be. God's spirit is loving. It says his, his kindness leads us to repentance. And our repentance is met with more kindness and more love from God. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for this word, this encouragement that you've brought to us tonight. God, I pray that in difficulty and trial, moments of fear, anxiety, pain, wondering if our faith is gonna get us in trouble at school or at work or whatever, I pray that we would continue to pray for boldness. I pray that the family of faith would be strengthened together in this space and that we wouldn't run, that we would listen to you. We wouldn't hide, we wouldn't hide our sin, our problems, our fears, our anxieties, anything, God. Would we pray scripture one another? Would we continue to give and would we continue to preach with all boldness? We pray these things, Lord Jesus, your precious name, amen.